Hey everybody, this is Nubia. And I'm Francis. We are your dynamic duo of Chronicles Abroad. As always, our goal is to inspire you to travel with passion and purpose. Now let's get on with the show. Welcome to Chronicles Abroad. It's a podcast show that uses travel to highlight stories of personal growth. So each week we'll spotlight the stories of courageous world travelers, creative wanderers, and digital nomads who share their incredible experiences of the world through their eyes. If you like traveling, this is what you need. So tune in. Welcome to Chronicles Abroad. This is Francis. And I'm Nubia. Today we have a fabulous show today, something different, something we've never really had before, a topic that is definitely unique. We're with uh, Stephanie Perry. Stephanie quit her job at the age of 41 as a hospital pharmacy technician to travel the world for a year on her savings. She's visited 12 countries in 12 months, all in just $1,200 per month. Now she's a year-round house sitter and pet sitter who helps other women take a career break on a budget. Welcome, Stephanie. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. And you have everything up in storms about house sitting. It's very unique. It's not new, but it's very unique, especially in the urban community. How did you get started with house sitting? After I took the 12 year trip and, you know, went back to a job, went back to work, I was like, no, I don't think this is what I'm supposed to be doing. There's too many other places to see. Um, I haven't, you know, 12 countries. There are 200 countries, I got to do more. So I just started looking around for ways that I could do it without money (laughs) or with a little bit of money. I hadn't even started my freelance writing business. Like I had very little money. And it was that simple. You just started researching. I just did some, I went to Google University. So I just did (laughs) Googling and I stumbled on a blog post from a woman who was a house sitter. And I signed up and got a house sit and that was it. That was it. You know, it's a great way for people to find any kind of information is through blog posts and from influencers who like to share their experiences. Mm -hmm. Can I just ask you this question? Was this blogger Caucasian? She was white, but she wasn't in her 20s. You know, she she was, was I think, in her 30s or 40s, which made me feel a little more comfortable about it. You know, in in my question. Yeah. Comfortability. Yeah. Travel bloggers tend to be like, 20 year old, you know, white kids. And, you know, you're like, uh, but is this a thing for me? Is this something that I can do? But she was a grown up. I think she was like a freelance writer or something. She had a job and house sat at the same time. So I felt like, okay, I can do that. Yeah, that that does make a big difference, especially when you're yeah. over 40. You look at things and you're just like, I don't know if that's for me because of my age you know mm-hmm. and then there's other factors you're just like you know would they would this be okay for someone of color right in this country or in this place that maybe doesn't have a lot of people of color there will they accept me i could just hear all the what ifs in my head yeah, representation yes. matters you know it does 
why we it started does. the podcast. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, so I didn't see any, so she was the only person I knew who was a house sitter and I didn't really even know her and I didn't know what was going to happen. Being a black house sitter is a little different, but I think that it's um, not an impediment except for in the U.S. You know, like in the U.S. I feel like we're like, no, she's not, <laughs> she's not coming to stay in my home. But it, around the rest of the world, no problem. Wow, that's a an observation makes, for you right there. That makes sense. I mean, there's been a whole mm-hmm. bunch of issues with Airbnb not too long ago of, you know, hosts not accepting Black guests. So I'm not surprised that there might be some challenges in the States when it comes to being a house sitter and being of color. That's right. And it varies by, so uh, uh, my clients are either retirees themselves who mm-hmm. are, you know, older people or like younger millennials. And so, you know, it, it's different. So in San Francisco with millennial clients, I had no problem booking houses. You know, if I want to go to Florida where the retirees are, I have yet to be able to book a house sit, you know, house in, in the, San Francisco you know, as much as it costs to live there. Oh my gosh. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I went to the grocery store and I was like, well, I'm not eating yogurt and bacon while I'm up here. <laughs> I will have oatmeal for breakfast. Not <laughs> It's it's bananas. Well, you've been doing this now for how long? Three, almost four years now. Wow. wow. Pretty much nonstop. I take breaks and go home and hang out with my parents. But you pretty much parents. nonstop for, for three, and, three years and change. So let's take it back a little bit. But when you originally said, you know, I need to take a break from work. Yeah. What was going on with you at that time that led you to make that pretty critical decision? For me, it was just a matter of seeing what it looked like to retire and then travel. I took a trip with my parents and they're in good health, but I just saw what it's like to try to do, you know, fun stuff when you're 65, 67 years old and, you know, you have aches and pains and you have some some limitations. And I was like, oh, waiting for retirement to travel is a scam. (laughs) It's a trick. They don't want you out there. (laughs) They want you to work until your body is broken down. And then what? Then you're supposed to try to enjoy your life. It was basically, it was that simple. Um, It was also, you know, like every time I tried to put in, I worked in a hospital and every time I tried to put in vacation requests, I would get approved for three days and not five. You know, it was just a hassle. It was like everything was saying, if you want to travel, you're going to have to take a big break now. Yeah. Because. And that's the truth. I mean, you, you know, as an older traveler, right, you got to witness older travelers and say, you know what, I don't want to be 60, 65 and can't, you know, climb up this little, I can't barely climb up. We were, <laughs> we were at Pueblo yesterday, well, not yesterday, the day before yesterday, and we went to go see one of the cathedrals. And I tell you that hill climb, okay, <laughs> we were out of breath and we're not 60 or 65. <laughs> so, you know, you already know being a traveler, some of the most beautiful views are higher mm-hmm. up, right? So it takes a little stamina and it takes a little bit endurance to do some of the, the most beautiful things outside of your norm. So I cannot imagine, and I see people who are in their 60s doing it, don't get me wrong, but if you start now while you're younger, you have that endurance by the time you're older. But if you're just working and working, like you said, you break your body down. By the time you break your body down, then you're reliant on the hospitals to take care of you and medication. And so now you're, now you're literally like a prisoner to that. 
you know, mm-hmm. the pills exactly. and the and the the doctor's visits and stuff like that. So that's mm-hmm. so great that you've seen that. And you took that as an observation to say, hey, I need to really start sooner than later. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the things is if, if America had this stuff together, we wouldn't be trying to leave, right? Because, you know, you've been to a lot of places within Europe and Mexico and stuff like that. People really do value time yes. in other countries. Taking a yes. break. And taking a break. And they know you're more productive when mm-hmm. they give you time to spend with your family or time for yourself to sleep, to eat, whatever, you know, they really do value that. You're more productive and more loyal. Yeah. So when you did that to your employer. Yeah. When you did that, was your family like shocked about you kind of like saying, Hey, I'm going to go do this. Like how did your family and friends respond? With shock. (laughs) (laughs) At first, my dad, who was a little bit more of a risk taker, he was like, oh, okay, good. My mom, who was not much of a risk taker back then, was like, "Uh, no, and here's why. And she had a list of reasons, and then she convinced him that it was a terrible idea. And she called family members all over the country to have them call me to tell me why it was a terrible idea. My dad said, I've been, you're going to Thailand and the Philippines. I've been there. Right, this is my dad, who is close to, he was 70 something now. I've been there. He's talking about during the Vietnam War. He's like, you don't want to go to those places. Here's what they're going to do. They're going to arrest you for nothing. They're going to lock you up and then they're going to sell you into slavery. This is a real conversation that I had with my dad. And I'm like, dad, okay, so yes, slavery does exist around the world today. Human trafficking is bigger now than it's ever been. I know, okay, but nobody wants a fat 40-year-old black woman (laughs) working with a bed, with a knee that sometimes won't bend, working in their rice field. You don't have, and they don't want me to make any babies for them. There's no, (laughs) I am not a sellable (laughs) commodity at this point. (laughs) <laughs> you know, I'm safe. Um, it's, I have a phone. I can call people if I need help. It's going to be okay. Yeah. So it, t- it did take some, well, really, I was going to say it took some talking to them to get them on board. But really what it took is for me to get to those places and show them some pictures and do some FaceTime for them to be like, oh, wow beautiful. (laughs) So were you a traveler beforehand? Yes. Like a vacation one week, you know, one week at a time traveler. Yes. We always took vacations when I was a kid. So my parents are big into travel. I always had the next vacation to look forward to. Pretty much that was why I worked, you know, to pay for my house and to be able to take, to live from vacation to vacation. So I always knew that it was something that I enjoyed doing. I really didn't know that there were people who traveled long-term, like full-time who didn't have trust funds. I really didn't know that that existed until somebody, until I met some people and I was like, oh wait, why, how are you in Brazil? I'm in Brazil for five days. How are you in Brazil for three months? You don't look like you have any money. You're staying in the same hostel I'm staying in. And that's when I realized that this is a thing that people do and it's pretty easy and inexpensive and fun. You know, we're more than just travel. We provide tips, resources, and hacks for the curious traveler in you. So whether you're a lover of travel or just someone who is ready for a change, we have something for everyone. Yeah. You learn a lot when you're, quote unquote, in the field, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, it's just the same way where when you were doing your research for house um, to 
people. He wasn't really looking for that specifically. But when you were looking to try to travel, you know, on a little bit more less money or a little less money or whatever, the only thing you see is white millennials. So they're doing this, but it's like, that's not really for me. First of all, I'm not hitchhiking. Second of all, I'm not staying somewhere for $2 a day or not eating and relying on strangers to give me free food. Like, you you know, you've seen, you've seen, yes. right? So I'm just like, that's not me. Nope. That's not me. Nope. And for me, and you know, um, I have children, so I didn't see any other people with responsibilities, right? Mm-hmm. Like the only responsibility they have with themselves and their home or their belongings. And here I was with actual people to, to take care of. And I'm like, okay, I don't see this. I don't see that. And that's one of the reasons why Chronicles of Bride came about because yes. we didn't see anybody over 35 that actually had a professional you know, career. And now we've been interviewing lawyers who now don't work because they felt like I'm not doing this no more and getting burnt out. We've met so many different people from walks of life. And we're like, wow, you guys been doing this for so long. Where, like, where were your stories? You know, Uh that's right. I think black women have been doing this for a little while. We're just a little, um, we have to, some of us feel like we had to keep it hush, hush. Y'all know, because you've heard people judge you and have, you know, backlash against you because you've made a decision to do things your own way. Correct. And so like, even when I talk to people, I talked to a woman just yesterday and she was talking about how she's setting up her plan to go. And she said, she kept, she said to me at least five times in the conversation, but I love my kids. Her kids are 22 and 26 or something. Right. But I love my kids, you know? And I said, you don't have to cushion it for me. I understand that there are people out there who are going to be like, oh, you're a terrible person. How could you do this? Yeah. But I'm not going to do that. I don't, I'm not doing that. I understand exactly what you're saying. So I think that women, Black women have probably just kept things a little more quiet because we don't want to hear. <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't want to hear your judgment. I don't want to hear what your opinion on how I live my life. And that's one of the um, reasons why you said you went stealth and left. Before. Yeah, man. When I, before I left, I bought my one-way ticket to Thailand in 2016. I didn't tell anyone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I might have told one or two people, but really I called them from like the San Francisco airport. No. <laughs> <laughs> and was like, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to Thailand kind of thing. And it was it was an awkward conversation because I know mm-hmm. I knew how my family is mm-hmm. and how risk averse they are and how fearful mm-hmm. they are. I'm always the person who has always kind of like been the not the black sheep, but like I kind of just always did my own thing and was never afraid to kind of like try new things. And the minute that you tell people certain things, their energy just, you know, they yeah. they get that fear energy on you. And I didn't want any of that projection. So I didn't tell anybody. Yeah. Yeah. I understand that. Even like, even though I told people, I understand that, you know, you just, I told them, but I didn't want to have a conversation about it. Like we have <laughs> to talk about it. I'm Don't just, talk to me about it. <laughs> I just I'm wanted just to let you know. You know. <laughs> The end. <laughs> Period. Right? Yes, I told. I totally understand that. You know, and so that's why we don't necessarily see good or haven't seen in the past good representation. But that doesn't mean that we're not out here doing it. Tell us about your first house set. Where was it? How did you feel? I mean, how did that whole pro- like your first ever house set? So the first one is not exciting. The first one was like a woman who lived in a couple of neighborhoods away in Wilmington. I'm from Delaware. I needed to get the first house sit out of the way. She was local. It was two cats. Uh, she went to Disney World and the cat, one of the cats like almost was never in the same room with me. It was, you know, like, you know, one cat was afraid of me. The other one didn't care if I was there or not. Nothing exotic, nothing fun. 
Um, that was my very first house sit, but it got me a five-star review and it got the next house sits rolling in. My first house sit out of the U.S. was here in Mexico, actually in the town that I'm in now. So I booked a house sit. So I had done some house sitting East Coast and West Coast U.S. with the younger, you know, the millennials and, and younger who, you know, are, were down with me. <laughs> but my first house sit outside the U.S. was a retired couple down here in Mexico. I had booked one month with them. The day after I got here which is also the same day that my luggage came because my luggage didn't make the flight. The day after I got down here, they had a little barbecue type cookout and invited all of their little retired friends over. I met all of them. And before the one month house sit was over, I was booked for six months down here. Yes. 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 <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. And mm -hmm. that's the thing. That's the beauty of this whole life, right? Is like opportunities come and people are so afraid of failure. And it's just like yeah. the failure lies in not trying, that's you know? Right. It's okay. like, once you step your foot out, people are like, hello, you know, uh -huh. Mexico is one of the most welcoming places I think I've ever been mm -hmm. out of all the countries I've traveled. Mexico has definitely opened their arms to me. We went out last night dancing and it was the, we had such a good time. I mean, the people within the club were so welcoming and mm -hmm. they just would come up and grab your hand and then just twirl you around and you're doing a little salsa. No how bad we were. We were terrible. We but. were horrible, but <laughs> yeah. they stuck with we're us. We're like, wait, you look like you should be able to dance. No, I can't. <laughs> they stuck with us, though, you know? But it was just so welcoming. And it's just like, bueno, Vanita, you know, welcome, welcome, welcome. Where you from? Welcome, you know? Oh, morena, morena, hola, morena, hola, amiga. I get that every time, every day. <laughs> every it's day. Such a beautiful feeling, you know? Mm -hmm. So for mm -hmm. you to have been to this barbecue and meet, well, first of all, let's start with this. Do you speak Spanish or did you speak Spanish on your first Mexico house sit? Um, I knew the food words. <laughs> I, I took Spanish in high school and I had been on a couple of vacations to Costa Rica and, and Spain. Um, so I, I never felt like, oh, it's going to be terrible. I can't, you know, I can't communicate. I knew, I figured that I knew enough to get by. Okay. I think my Spanish is much better now. That was July of 2018. So now I've been in Mexico basically, I don't know, 10 months since then. Okay. But still not conversational. It's, I still sound like a three-year-old. I, I can't do verb tenses or anything. Hola. I just say, uh, uh. <laughs> I just say like, I go to the store yesterday, basically. <laughs> Instead, you know, I can't do past tense, future tense, but I know a lot more words and we can communicate a little better because like the, the house that I'm in right now, the housekeeper came in and, and uh, there's a housekeeper and a dog walker, which is strange. So the housekeeper and the dog walker come in and they speak Spanish only. And we can actually have a little greeting and a little conversation about you know what I'm doing today and stuff so it's, it's getting much better but this is not an area where you have to be able to speak Spanish to get along there are so many Americans and Canadians here retired that the locals who work in any capacity you know with the retirees speak great English so you mentioned there's a dog walker as well isn't dog walking and like house sitting and pet sitting kind of one and together simultaneous so this person got Thank. <laughs> they got you, a housekeeper, a dog walker, and a house. And you. <laughs> and me. And me. That's just life in Mexico. A lot of things are so inexpensive that you can just pay someone else to do it. So she normally, like if, if you would go to someone's house, they would be the dog walker, right? And then when they leave, I would be the dog walker. 
but here in Mexico, you can have a dog walker and a gardener. Like like <laughs> yeah, that's it's awesome. Nice. So it's nice. She's a black woman. I'm house sitting for a black woman who lives in Mexico. Wow. I know. There's a small community of black women here in IE who are living their best life. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you know, this is a traveler's mind process. You'd be like, I need to try it. I need to go check that place. <laughs> and I tell people one of the biggest decisions we make in our lives being travelers is where to next. Uh -huh. That's it. It's kind mm -hmm. of like you hear, like I just heard you say this place and I'm like, never thought about it, but hey, it's not worth, it's worth checking out, especially knowing yeah. that there's a small community of women of color, which mm -hmm. makes me feel, well, makes me feel a little bit more like, oh, that's interesting. I would love to check that out, you know? Yeah. So tell us about one of your experiences that was like very unique or something that was just like bizarre. I seen you post not too long ago about taking a poop in a trash barrel for two weeks. I, I was like, Stephanie did I what? That post. <laughs> I missed that post. So before I learned out, uh, before I learned about house sitting, I had to find ways to travel on a super tight budget, including work exchanges. So I did some work, some volunteer work for people in exchange for free room and board, which is an amazing way to travel. I ended up in Australia, which is a very expensive place. And so I had to do work exchanges in order to live there. One of my work exchanges was with a family who was building, Australia is so expensive that they had been building their home for five years and all they had so far was a garage with a kitchen and a bedroom and a shower, not a full bathroom, no toilet. Got it. So they decided to make their own, yeah. They made, it's, it's crazy expensive in Australia. Like it's ridiculously expensive there. So like their, their land, I think it was an acre of land. And she said they'd spent something like 500,000 Australian dollars already. And they had the land and a garage, like not a house. Yeah, it's in a, an expensive like wine region. It looks like, like I think Napa would look you know, really expensive part of Australia. But they didn't have a toilet, so they, and they didn't even have a composting toilet. They kind of made their own composting toilet out of a, a dumpster. <laughs> a dumpster so you tell me with that steps, a little step. These five years, <laughs> they were building some house. There was no toilet, you telling me this? <laughs> Did you know this before you went? I did, I did. And she kept asking me, are you sure, are you sure? But they had great reviews. People loved staying there. It was a beautiful area, like beautiful area. And you know, I needed, I needed a place to stay. And they, not only were they giving me a place to stay, but they gave me all meals and wine. So oh, <laughs> I was like, bring on the wine. Where's the bucket? <laughs> <laughs> Two tears in a bucket. <laughs> Some stuff, it just, just some stuff, it gets really easy to get used to some things. You know, I had already, I had just come from Cambodia where the bathroom was outside. It was like an outhouse. That was actually a functioning toilet, but he didn't have an actual shower. You had a bucket and a cup, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. So like, times in Asia, yeah. Yeah. So as you go, things become less and less, you become, I don't know, you're able to accept more like basic and rustic stuff the longer you're traveling. And the pooping in the trash dumpster was really easy to get used to. It was no big deal after a while. <laughs> People are like, oh, yeah, no. <laughs> Hi, Stephanie. Oh, just go and taking out the poop. Very, back. very glamorous. <laughs> yeah. Stephanie, let me ask you. What are some of, I guess, the top three questions that you get from people in regards to like how to get started or what it's like about house sitting? Mm -hmm. um, people want to know, do I have to take care of pets? 
if you're available for long periods of time, you can house it and not pets it. If you can book one house it for two months, there's a chance that they won't have pets. They just want somebody to water the plants and keep the house from looking abandoned. But if you're talking about house sitting during your one week vacation from work or whatever, it's much harder to book a house sit if you're not willing to take care of pets. People want to know, like, will I get booked as a black house sitter? Around the world, I've had no problems. I've house sat in the UK and Amsterdam, Mexico, uh, once in South Africa. I've had no problems there. Like I said, retirees in the US have yet to book me. I don't think I've ever house sat for a retired family in the US, which is strange because the rest of the world, they've been pretty much all retirees or expats. And then people want to know, let's see, question number three. Um, that's <laughs> There are lots of questions, but I'm blanking on them. Let's see. People I'm thinking, know. I'm wondering, you know, some people are like, because it seems on the outside like this glamorous, easy thing to do. And maybe it might not be that difficult, but it might not be as easy as people think as well. So it's like, if I were to like get started tomorrow, how would I prep myself to actually start this house sitting work? Hire Stephanie to teach Pretty you. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you do, right? I do help people get started. So there are services out there that you join, but I've heard too many times people say, well, I joined the service and I paid the annual fee, but I never booked a house sit. So, and it's, it's not that difficult to book a house sit. You know, you just need to know how to talk to people. Pitching yourself is just something that some people are not good at or think, I guess they think they're not good at it. You just, it's a skill. And some people wait for someone to come and approach them to house it for them. It's pretty easy on the sites, but you need someone to show you how to pitch yourself sometimes. Yeah, um, that would be me. I'd be like, hi, I'm here. You see me? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, it's, me. It's, it's pretty easy. You know, it's the, it's the whole point of it is you have to be able to understand what they're really looking for. Some people want someone who's going to treat their pet or their, you know, their dog or their cat like this is a human, like this is a human baby. And so in those letters, you need to be able to express to them that you understand how much they love this animal and that you're going to take great care of them, right? Some people want to be able to have someone in their house that they're not going to have to worry about. You need to be able to express to them, I'm mature, I'm responsible, you know. You need to be able to understand what they're, what exactly it is they're looking for and then cater your letter, your email to that need or those needs. And it's just something that some people never have to do, you know, in life. They never have to say, here's why I'm the person for you. I show people how to get started with that. But house sitting, if you're talking about house sitting long term, full time, some people just aren't used to the idea of being in a strange place with no friends, you know, not knowing anybody and having to be totally self-reliant. That is the number one skill of a good house sitter. You have to be able to get into a new place and figure it out. So it would make sense to be like somebody who's traveled a little bit, who is comfortable, you know, just landing in a new city and being able to explore themselves versus somebody who may have never traveled before might be a little bit scary for them to do that, would you say? Yes, I w- that's what I would say. But If you're a person who hasn't traveled very much and you still want to try house sitting, start locally. Start in a place where you already feel comfortable and then branch out from there. And then some places just seem local. You know, London, even though, you know, things are a little different, but London was very easy. And London happens to be a place where everybody seems to need a house sitter. They have a lot of vacation time to use. And so it's an easy place to break into housing. You know, they speak English, of course, and you can get Burger King and McDonald's, which... (laughs) Which I do recommend. I recommend getting McDonald's apple pie anytime you leave the United States because everybody else has that fried apple pie. 
Right. I, I have had McDonald's on six continents. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to need you to leave McDonald's alone, Stephanie. <laughs> <laughs> start getting harder with poop. <laughs> I think it might be easy to poop. <laughs> so, I, you know, one thing about this is, yes, it's a way to have free accommodations, but it's not an income-generating situation. Mm-mm. So you can get free accommodations, but you definitely should have some kind of remote work or mm-hmm. some kind of work because you do have to pay for your travels to and from the different houses, correct? That's right. That's right. And you have to eat. And not all of them would give you wine and food. So there are, <laughs> I mean, you have obviously have had house sits because, you know, after um, talking with you and kind of looking over your um, your background and, and all of your wonderful YouTube videos and stuff, I started doing some research myself on it. And I'm just like, oh, couples house sit. Yes. It's a thing. So there's it's a lot a of couples that house sit. There's a lot of friends that house sit together. Mm-hmm. and travel Travel's together daughter. so you don't have to do it necessarily alone no that's but- right that's right that's important yeah because i'm always alone that's always the lens i'm looking through but no you don't have to do it alone i apply for houses pretty much every time that say we're looking for a couple too we're looking for two people too people feel more comfortable hiring a duo or booking a duo i think part of it is they're less likely to be like party <laughs> crazy party animals and i think people feel like it's not likely that both people will have some sort of emergency, you know, if something goes wrong. Well, yeah, I spoke to one woman before who was looking for a house sitter. And I actually asked her because I wanted to kind of dive in. And I was just like, you know, um, why are you asking for two people? And she was just like, well, it's in a remote area mm-hmm. and you would be extremely bored and mm-hmm. for your safety. So she was like, it just makes me feel better knowing that. There's two people here. They're keeping each other company. And for safety purposes, I wouldn't feel comfortable having a woman, single woman, come onto the property because it was almost like you said, it was like a like a, a acre land kind of thing, just taking mm-hmm. care of the land, almost like farming in a way, you know, and mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff. And she was like, it's just too much for one person to do alone and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, that makes sense. You know, because at first I was like, people want, you know, a married couple in their house. What if they're getting it on in their house? Well, you know, probably will be (laughs) that kind of thing. But (laughs) it makes sense why some people want a duel. Yeah. Yeah. But I still I still apply for those houses. And sometimes I still get them because I have more experience. I have two dozen houses on my record there. So they know that I can probably handle whatever situation pops up. But yes, a lot of people do think they need to have at least two people. There are families who house it. There are people who house it with their kids. There are people who house it with their pets. I house it for a couple who sometimes when they go house it, they take the dog with them and sometimes they don't. So when they don't, I come in and house it for them. This is a whole thing. It's a whole world. (laughs) thing. So is there a community of people that you kind of rock with in the house sitting, like, you know, your house sitting crew? (laughs) There there are. So there are a couple of Facebook communities. And then once, like in this town, I know four other house sitters. So once you get somewhere, if you get to a place where house sitting is popular, you can kind of meet other people around too. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I was going to ask, I mean, you've been doing this for a while. And so when it comes down to like relationships or even mm-hmm. romantic relationships, like how do all that fit in with you constantly moving around? So it's time to dive deep and look into the holistic perspective of travel. We believe traveling is an investment in you. So our mission is to inspire you to book that flight, 
check that item off your bucket list and go on that adventure. And our hope is to ignite connections all over the world. I never get anything past like the Tinder date, the first Tinder date. But <laughs> you had your first Tinder date in what Ho Chi Minh, you said? In uh, Hoi An, Hoi An, Vietnam. Uh huh. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's not the easiest if you're looking to establish a relationship. House sitting is not the easiest route to take because you're always going from place to place. Even my longest house sit is three months, but that's still only three months in you know in that place. So that is a part of my life that is totally lacking. It's on my 2020 vision board, though. <laughs> it's but not personal, just house sitters. It's, I think it's just travelers. Yeah. I think as travelers, yeah. you know, it's very difficult. And you would think that, I think people have this misconception that it's so glamorous, right? But there mm-hmm. is the other side of it. I think as women, we tend to be more adventurous mm-hmm. and do this kind of life, right? Yeah. But you don't see many single men doing this kind of thing. No, and that's then. Right. And then when you do find a person that maybe travels, it's for whatever reason, you might be on different routes. Mm-hmm. And right. so it's been, listen, it's not just you. The dating, okay. <laughs> the yeah. dating story a, about being an avid traveler is everybody says the same thing. Non-existent, mm-hmm. you know, just hook had this up, conversation tender, the other day, like with somebody and it was at some point you get to a point in your life, you got a crossroads that says, all right, you know, when I'm ready to establish this long-term relationship, mm-hmm. something kind of has to give in order yeah. to create that opportunity to happen. Yeah. And I think just most people see stability looks different to them. So, mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, cause I, you know, I have no problem dating, right. It's mm-hmm. developing long-term relationships That's because right. in other people's mind who are not avid travelers, they want the house, the, the car, the babies, the, the, all, all of that. And, that's just not, mm-hmm. you know. I also think we don't talk enough in this travel community about loneliness in general. And people, and then you find that people come out to travel like this and then they feel lonely and then they think they're doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, I mean, you get lonely. We get lonely. And that's why we have to find ways to reach out to people, meet new people. It's, why, it's one of the th- reasons that I love being a Black woman traveler is because when you see a Black woman out, she will just stop you and talk to you. I don't care where you are. Ooh, that's You're going to become friends. Do you ever see black travelers that don't? Men. Mm. But black women always, I don't care. I don't care where I am, Vietnam, Mexico, except for like Portugal, where people thought that I was Portuguese, you know, because there are black Portuguese people. So it, mm-hmm. I don't look like a traveler there to them. Um, but everywhere else, black women will just stop you and just talk. That's hug, probably hug you. <laughs> we had that conversation and I was telling her that I am that extrovert, right? So I'm that person that if I seen you, right, in another country, I'm going to say, hey, sis, you uh-huh. like, what are you doing here? Stuff like that. Yes. <laughs> I've tried to talk to people of color abroad and I just get kind of a look like, who are you? And I don't want to generalize, but majority of them have been either African, you know, or from European, like country somewhere and uh-huh. black European. And they tend to not want to speak to me. Uh, well, some people... Remember that some people are from countries where they're not the minority. And so it's not, they don't, it doesn't seem strange to them to see another Black person. You know, it's like everybody I know is Black. So, you know, it's, it's different for some people. Um, but I haven't, I haven't run into that. I've seen, I've had European Black women stop me. Like in Australia, I'd stopped and made friends with a woman who was just walking by. Okay. Yeah, you've been okay. prefacing women. Like women are just more... <laughs> 
comfortable open to saying hello where men are just more like walking by yeah i think it just depends where you are in japan there wasn't the african men there were very friendly for other reasons but (laughs) but then other times some other black folks just didn't want to they i think in japan it's tricky because a lot of people want to assimilate with the japanese culture a little bit so Uh, um so that's a whole different topic so i don't know i think it just depends yeah yeah. so what's going on with you now what is going on with miss stephanie perry is house like is this is this it is are you going to build because your brand is entirely around the gap year but the gap year has now come and gone. This is now a lifestyle, right? Yeah, yeah, for now. We want to make sure you'll never miss a show. So be sure to swing by our website at chroniclesabroad.com where you can subscribe via iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. While you're at it, we'll appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you simply tell a friend or five about the show, that will help us out big time. We'd love to have you join our growing Facebook community. Yes, y'all. We finally opened up our group called Chronicles Abroad Collective. This is the name of the group. This is where we share tips, resources, and encouragement. If you love the episodes, then you'll love the community even more. Simply click the join button. Can't wait to see you guys there. Yeah, so I originally started things, you know, everything everything involves. I originally started my blog and all that just to show people my travels, right? It's called Vicarious. I wanted you to vacation vicariously for me, but I don't want you to anymore. I want you to go now, you know, <laughs> like, so that's over. Right now, I just am trying to show people how accessible the sabbatical or the career break or the gap year can be. Even though I've moved on from the career break time, the gap year time, I'm still out here traveling and now I'm converting into how to make money while you travel. Cause that's something that I'm still learning. It's still something that I'm still working on. Yeah. But I just want women, I just want black women to know that you're not a weirdo. If this is what you want to do that we're out here, we're doing it and we're sharing information on how to get it done. Thank you. I love that. It's and, beautiful. And we need it because you know, you are a true inspiration because you are one of a kind actually, no, seriously, you are, you're one of a kind in this industry, in the travel industry to show us what this looks like. And, you know, you're very transparent about your travels and it's, it's been a beautiful thing watching your journeys and you're very personable in a sense of just being able to say, Hey, hi, you know, and those kind of things. Cause I, again, people have this misconception, right? That we're something else and, and we're not, we're just yes. people. <laughs> just That's right. People. And we're finding our way through this whole thing. Like we literally are living it as we go. We're learning more, you know? Yes, so yes. it's it's been a blessing and we're grateful that you're teaching us as you're going along and you're, you know, wanting to do that. And that's a beautiful thing because you're opening a door to especially women of color who never thought it was actually possible to do that, you know? That's right. That's right. I appreciate you both. Yes. <laughs> yes, we know. Yeah, I appreciate you both. I don't like, I don't know how to tell you enough that people... Every time I talk to someone, they feel like they're going to be judged and, you know, put down for wanting to live on their own terms. And so you two being here and saying, hey, we did it. (laughs) We're doing it. It's, you know, you have to see something before you can even know it's a possibility. Just like, you know, a four-year-old, if you ask them what they want to be when when they grow up, they're only going to have like a list of 10 options to choose from, you know, but we know that there are many more options out there. So every time women see you two out there, us three out there, <laughs> every time they see it, it becomes more and more of a possibility. I love what we're doing. 
all of us. I love what I we're doing. And it's, it's, it's a, a movement. movement. It is. <laughs> it's a movement. And the best thing about it is it's a community. Yeah. You know, we build these friendships. And, you know, we you and I were supposed to go have lunch and yes. but we didn't uh, we plan it properly. You know. We will. Yes. Mm-hmm. But um it's it's great that we're out here and that yeah. we're using our voices and we're sharing information and we're helping others. So thank you so much, Stephanie. Thank you, Stephanie. Where awesome. can our listeners find you? All over on Vicarious on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Vicarious, and my blog is Vicarious.com. But I would really, I think the best place to find me is on YouTube. YouTube.com slash Stephanie Perry. That's where I lay out all the information about how I saved money to travel, how I travel on a budget, how I started house sitting. It's all there. Awesome. Very good. All right, y'all. So get on it if you want to start this journey in house sitting. And it doesn't have to be full time. That's another thing, right? Mm-hmm. Is like, this is Stephanie's story. Yours can look very different. Right. If you want to house sit once a year for a week, that's something that you have the option to do. You create. Yes your reality. Yeah, that's and right. I wanted to put that out there. And hire Stephanie to uh, get the ball rolling for you. <laughs> yes. I'll help you. She's a veteran. <laughs> Stephanie, thank you so much for being with us. We totally appreciate it. Thank you, friends. Thank you for tuning in to Chronicles Abroad. Please support us by sharing this podcast through your social media platforms. Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Follow us on Instagram and hit that like button at Chronicles underscore abroad. Find us online at our website, chroniclesabroad.com for tips, resources, and ways we can collaborate. So don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Until then, beautiful people, thanks for listening. Music by Stephanie James and Almighty K-Rock, produced by Adam Marcus.